We are only running candidates from Manitoba West. And so we are here for more fairness in the West through our constitutional changes. And if we can't seem to get there, then we are going to be pushing for um, independence. Welcome to the Ballot Box. Featuring Annalise Freeman, Calgary Heritage, Heather Schmidt, representing the Prince Albert EDA, Andrea Lee, Calgary Shepherd Riding. Welcome back to the Cross Border Interview Podcast. My name is Christopher Brown, the host, and we are now entering the ballot box on this Thursday afternoon. I want to thank my uh, viewers for tuning in and to my listeners on the audio version of the show. Thank you for streaming this, downloading this, and doing everything that you can to get the show out. Today, we are going to be sitting down with not one, not two, but three guests uh, uh, who are currently running in this upcoming 44th general, actually not upcoming because we are currently in the process and almost in the middle of the campaign, but in the 44th general election. And they are four candidates to uh, three candidates, sorry, two candidates here in Calgary, one in the great province of Saskatchewan, not saying that Alberta is not great, but I lived in Saskatchewan for a few years. So it is also great in my heart as well. So without further ado, I want to introduce the Three other can the three candidates who are sitting down today, and they are Andy Lee. When I say your name, if uh, ladies, if you can just wave so that way people know who I, I'm talking about, Andy Lee, the candidate for Calgary Separate, uh, the Maverick Party candidate. Uh, then Annalise Freeman, the Calgary Heritage candidate for the Maverick Party. And last but not least, from Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, the great Heather Schmidt. Thank you, ladies, for doing this. Greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having us. This is great. So I'm going to start off my first question, and this is usually the fun question for me. But starting with you, Andy, where's your sense of duty to serve come from? Oh, boy. Well, I didn't think I was going to be here. You know, I really didn't. Um, And, you know, it started when I started looking at the polls and I started looking at popular opinion, but then I broke it down into federal uh, seats. And I looked at every one of the 338 seats and I crunched some numbers uh, throughout different polls. And I assumed that every swing riding would go to the Conservative Party and not the Liberal Party. And after doing that, now this was a couple of weeks ago, so obviously things are always fluctuating. I realized that even if Conservatives picked up every swing riding that I estimated, they would still be short by about 27 seats. And that's when I got the sinking feeling that I wasn't going to get what I wanted again. And... uh, And I thought, how else do I approach this, this problem, if I want to be properly represented? Um, And then I started to watch the block in the House of Commons. Uh, I started to watch them making deals. Uh, You know, uh, they voted to shut down an ethics investigation. And then the next day, you know, they get an airline package bailout. Um, And so I started to you know, really think, hey, wait a minute, why can't this, why can't this work for us? There's no reason that this can't work for us too. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to toss my hat in the ring and I'm going to give it a shot and uh, see, you know what, if I can't get into the House of Commons and and work that system, right? You don't have to win to play the game is what I realized. And when I came to that conclusion that you don't have to win to play the game, it all made a lot of sense to me. So that's how I came to be here. Awesome. Annalise, what about yourself? Where's your sense of duty to serve come from? 
So it took me about six, seven weeks before I signed on. I spoke with Jay Hill a few times and uh, wondered if it was really something that I would do. I come from the oil and gas industry and uh, I'm an educator, was an educator in, at uh, Mount Royal University. But I had a feeling of frustration and fed up. And as far as I could tell, things were just getting worse and worse and worse for the West. Um, our, I'm, I'm big on energy, as you would expect. And our energy industry was being targeted since about 2005. And uh, not only did we not get any support, uh, the government has decided to throw bigger and bigger roadblocks in the way. And I just don't see a future for my children and grandchildren unless we can get fair representation. And what about yourself, Heather, from the great province of Saskatchewan? Uh, why, where does your uh, sense of duty to serve come from? So when I started getting involved with the Maverick Party, I thought the same as a lot of other people, what's this little party going to try to do in the grand scheme of things? But similar to what Andrea was saying, you know, when it all calculates out, we need a voice over here in the West. And I'm continually hearing things from my neighbors, my community. I'm very involved in the community with 4-H leading and my own small businesses um, and the ag industry, you know, like where are all these taxes coming from and how much more can all of us out here in the West bear before we just can't do it anymore. You know, there's just all kinds of, of um, programs and initiatives just being decided over in the East. And I think I'm hearing from a lot of Western Canadians that it's time that we come together with one voice from the West to try to get a fairer deal for us overall when it comes to taxation, for example, the carbon tax um, deals in our indigenous communities, they're not being upheld and um, gun rights and things things that a lot of us out here on the farm and in the egg industry, you know, we've, we've got gold over here in the West, all of our resources and our farming community, and we just don't have a voice. So that's where it really struck my heart to join and be the voice from the West. One thing I've heard in the last few minutes of you guys talking was frustration. You you, you felt frustrated at the uh, Ottawa government and Ottawa and the West wasn't getting its fair deal when it came to policy, taxation, energy. What are you are you hearing that at the doorsteps? I know Heather, you talked about that briefly there for a second, but starting with Annalise, what? What exactly are people telling you at the doorstep when you're going out and knocking on doors? Are they saying it's time to have a fair shot? The Conservatives and the Liberals have not been doing it for the West. Annalise, start with you. Well, um, that's a great question because when I first headed out door knocking, and I've probably knocked on two, three hundred doors now, I was very surprised. I assumed that people would be asking me about COVID vaccine passports. I never heard a single word about this. The only thing I heard of was, um, what about the debt? What's going to happen to our children and grandchildren? Will, will they even be able to survive in this country? And what's going to happen for future? Do we have to move south? Do we have to move somewhere else to live? And we need to get our oil and gas industry back. It's surprising, I, I think I maybe talked to one person who seemed to think solar panels were a great idea and everybody else said, we need our jobs, we need our industry back. We're well aware that Quebec is importing um, billions in fuel every year and they don't wanna take it from us. 
and people are very fed up about that. And it's it was very surprising for me because I thought, you know, some of the things that are constantly thrown out and in every election you can watch for it and there'll be something thrown out that divides families um, and it divides religions. It, and um, it really has nothing to do with what people want. And I always say one year from now when your CERB runs out and you can't find a job and you didn't get a free house, you're going to have buyer's remorse if you don't vote for somebody who is going to actually be a voice for your future. What about yourself, Heather? Um, I know you, uh, Andy and Annalise are both here in Calgary, so they're probably hearing roughly the same thing out in Prince Albert. What is the what is the message at the doorstep you're hearing when you're talking to people? Yeah, you know, I can relate to Annalise. I haven't heard very much from my people that I've been talking to about the COVID crisis um, other than freedom. They're concerned about freedom and freedom of speech, freedom of choice. And they, they're worried that we don't have that voice over here and people who don't understand aren't aren't taking that into consideration and another thing that I'm hearing a lot of frustration about is the jobs um, and again to just stay on team with Annalise there I used the example in a previous interview recently um, give a man a fish for a day he'll eat give him a fishing rod and teach him how to fish and uh, those are our jobs we need those jobs out there and there's just a lot of fish being handed out and i think a lot of people out here can relate you know it, it's just it's frustrating to watch because from a business and economical background that's the only way for a country to thrive is to create jobs and a better economy not to shut it down and tax the people who are still working such as myself Andy, I want, I want to sort of splinter off on the question that I asked, so we're not having all the same answers, but it's great because you are hearing all the same stuff, and that's what is important at the end of the day. But Andy, what what is the party, what is the Maverick Party putting forward to address these concerns that you're hearing at the door? Because it's great that you're hearing these concerns, but people want something to vote for and not vote against in some sense. So they want something to vote for. So what is the Maverick Party putting forward to address how uh, the energy industry, how, uh, address agriculture? And I know we don't have a lot of time, but try to wrap up your platform in a very short period of time. I'll try to, I'll try to go through this quickly. And this is when I, I sort of really got on board with the platform. And so we're proposing constitutional change. And a lot of people are skeptical um, as to these uh, amendments that we're proposing because we know that amending the constitution isn't done just like that, right? Um, we know that you know we have a general formula that we use. We need the federal government, we need the Senate to vote on it, and we have the 70 plus 50 rule, which means that seven provinces holding 50% of the population have to be on board with that amendment. But this is the good thing, is that all the changes that we're proposing benefit all provinces. So there's no reason that the provinces wouldn't vote for them. So one of them um, is the market access amendment. And so basically what that says is that every province has its own right, independent from Ottawa's uh, intrusion, to explore their, their own market because they know their markets best and to market their, their resources as they see fit. The second right is the provincial rights amendment. And so basically what this says is that uh, the federal government is not allowed to intrude into this uh, 
provincial jurisdiction without consent of that province. And then the third one has to do with um, something that's already existing. It's, it's a little bit of a weasel clause um, that's already existing in our constitution. It's provincial self-governance. So basically it amends an existing section. And uh, that section basically says that the federal government has an essential sort of veto power over provincial legislation. So we want to get that little clause removed. And so by doing that, this is good for Alberta, right? And that's what we want. And it's good for Saskatchewan. It's good for Manitoba. It's good for BC. It's good for the territories. It's good for the Yukon. But the thing is, and everybody's like, well, how are you going to get everybody to vote on it? And I'm like, well, what province wouldn't vote on this? Because they're great amendments. That's the trick. That's the beauty of it, right? Is that this isn't just benefiting the West. So when you put forward a constitutional amendment and you know that you have this sort of onerous process to get it amended using the general formula, um, what you have to do is you have to make it, um, you know, applicable to all provinces. And that's the beauty of these is that any province can take these amendments and use them to their own advantage. So I see no reason why they wouldn't vote for it. I, I, I want to, it's, it's great that we have, uh, you've laid out the platform, you've laid out uh, policies that can help not only Alberta, not only the West, but all of Canada, because sometimes you, we do, we pit one part of the country against another part of the country, and that's not the greatest thing in the world. Um, I do want to say, uh, go ahead. I was going to say that's the beauty of this approach is that it is a sort of a, you know, initially it's a very collaborative uh, effort, which was different than, you know, the former sort of uh, Alberta separatist parties. Right. So um, let's see what we can do within the existing framework. And then when we've got that framework in place, then, you know, we can improve our economy if we can market our own resources and sort of say, Ottawa, you have to mind your own business. I'm sorry, we have a right to do this. Then that's how we get our industry moving and our natural resources to market. And that's when we start to get the jobs flowing, right? I, I want to ask the question, and I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here, and I'm going to start with you, Heather, on this question. Uh, I want to ask the question, people will be going to the ballot box on September 20th and probably a little bit beforehand because there is advanced voting, and they're going to have a tough choice. They're going to have a choice between uh, the Maverick Party, the Liberal Party, the Conservative Party. Why should people put trust in the Maverick Party? You are an upstart party. You have never run an election before. Why should people put their trust in you? Because politicians come in all shapes and sizes and they will say one thing at the doorstep and once they're elected, they will say something completely different in Ottawa. So why should people take the moment, take this election to put their trust in you? Heather, start with you first. Well, Chris, that's a simple answer. It's because we are only, only running, running candidates, candidates from Manitoba West. West. And so we are here for more fairness in the West through our constitutional changes. And if we can't seem to get there, then we are going to be pushing for um, independence. And so there is no confusion about trying to win seats in the East with a different idea of how things should be. We strictly are not looking for a majority government ever. We just want a voice that is one whole sweeping Western voice in parliament to say what we need out here. Excellent answer. And I'm going to follow up with that with you, Andy, and I'm going to ask this question. This is probably a question you get a lot asked by. Sure. I want to vote for you. I want to vote for the Maverick Party. But at the end of the day, I might be electing Justin Trudeau in my riding because the vote split. 
How do you how do you get people to come over to you? Annalise, I see you smiling. I, I'm assuming you have heard this question a numerous times, but how do you get people to come on board when they're so concerned about electing an NDP government or a liberal government? Sure. And well, yeah, so we, we've all heard this argument. <laughs> and so this time around, we're only running uh, candidates in strategic ridings, that is ridings that have a, a very, very strong conservative vote. So um, my incumbent, uh, Tom Kmich, he won the vote with 58,000 votes. Strong, strong, strong showing. The next runner up was a liberal with 8,000 votes. So if I run and say if I take some of uh, Tom's votes, uh, you know, maybe I take 10,000, 20,000. We're still in no danger, really, of a liberal sneaking up the middle, um, knowing that they only got 8,000 votes and winning a seat. So mathematically, like statistically, mathematically speaking, it's very, 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 very unlikely. The probability is almost 0% of a liberal going to Ottawa. And the same applies for NDP or any other party. But to yet again plays devil's advocate here the conservatives will come back and say well this you are a fringe group and i'm done look i'm gonna ask annalise this question you guys are a fringe group you guys don't actually know what you're talking about and the conservatives are truly the party of the west how do you bring the conservative voters over to you because really if you're running strategically in writings that the conservatives have traditionally done strong in how do you say to the conservative voters you know what take a chance on us aaron o'toole Andrew Shear, Stephen Harper haven't done enough for the West and we will. So let, let's start with what I've been sort of um, challenging people with in the last few days is have a look at your conservative MP and tell me what they have done for you. And this evening I had a very interesting conversation with a board member for the MP in my riding, Bob Benson. And he, I explained to him, this is what we stand for. And he says, well, I agree with all that. And I said, well, then, and he again came up with a vote splitting and I explained to him, we will not vote split. And even if we split right down the middle, we won't get a liberal. And so he said, so his answer was, well, you know, I, I just don't think it's a good idea to have all these little parties. And I said, we're not a little party, we're a Western party and we wanna stand up for Western rights. And I said, can you please explain to me why none of the MPs stood up and spoke for us when Mr. O'Toole said he would not have a carbon tax and then spun around and said, yes, I will have a carbon tax. No, I didn't hear from a single conservative MP to say, wait a minute, you pledged not to do that. And it, he, he couldn't answer. He, he kept saying, well, I agree with everything that you stand for. And I said, well, then why can't people have a choice? I, I appreciate that because- uh, uh, I want to cheer. This is going to be an open question for anyone who wants to answer it, because I, I, before the interview, you said you guys are all on the same page and it's great that you have party cohesiveness and all the messaging is going to be the same. So anyone who wants to answer this question, or I'm going to probably ask all three of you, but I, I want to start open ended. Whoever wants to jump on this first, in your own words, who are the Mavericks? Anyone wants to jump? Freedom fighters. Freedom. So what does freedom mean? Because freedom is a very open-ended statement. And I want to know this, and this is going to be the this is going to be the poignant question to all three of you. And starting with you, Andy, 
What does freedom mean to you? Well, I mean, like you said, it's a very, it's a huge term. It's an open-ended term. I think that when Annalise relates it to our party, though, what we're talking about is just freedom to do uh, what we do best. What do we do out in the West? We, we work, we innovate, we provide. And uh, we've been doing that uh, for many, many years. And, uh, you know, we did it very willingly um, until we felt that we were taken advantage of. And so now that we have this, this alienation going on, um, we're, we're ready to fight back. We're ready to open up the constitution. We're ready to entertain the idea of secession. And uh, so I think that, that what we're saying is, you know, we're looking for, uh, for freedom, uh, you know, from our, from our traditional method of uh, federal governance. That's how I put it, because, again, a traditional federal government is a national party, um, aside from, you know, the, the rare exception, um, but we're not. And we're also different in that we're not looking to intrude on the provinces. We want to give freedom back to the provinces. So that's how that's how it relates to me, uh, the word freedom, when I think of the Maverick Party. Annalise, what about yourself? What does freedom mean to you? Well, freedom means to me that we can explore, produce, and sell our marketable resources without being um, uh, called down. And it means freedom to protect what is ours and um, freedom to be able to speak out. And in all honesty, it has become very difficult. I speak out about the oil industry and I'm told that I just want to everyone to burst into flames and, and the whole world to, to get all hot and terrible. And that's not true. And it, I, I believe that I speak for an awful lot of people. And again, with the door knocking, a lot of people were kind of hesitant at first to say that, oh, we would support the oil and gas industry until I said loud and proud, we are not doing anything wrong here. We're doing the best job of anywhere in the world. Let's get it going. And that's, that's true freedom, freedom to earn a living, freedom to save some money and buy a boat, freedom to get your kids a good education. That's the freedom I mean so much to me. And what about yourself, Heather? I'm going to be a little more specific what free means to me and something it is not is dividing your entire country of people. And I see this happening when our constitutional rights are challenged and mandates are being thrown out there without the vote or the voice of the people. And it is enraging people and causing a bigger divide between a whole bunch of your, my, my neighbor down the road from me, much less BC, which is hundreds of kilometers, sorry, not miles <laughs> away. Um, so freedom is to have a unified country and the simple fact that we have to have a party that brings forth a voice for the West means that we're not quite there yet. Either that or what was free and whole has been divided and we want to bring it back together. Um, my last question before we have to wrap up here, because I know that you guys do have another event that you have to get to, and I don't, I want, I don't want you to be late for that. But my last question is this, and this is going to be a little bit of a uh, happy, happy end of the note. But starting with you, Annalise, why should you be the next MP for the riding you're running in? I should be the next MP for the Calgary Heritage Riding because I am afraid of nobody. I've worked out on the rigs and I am proud, loud, and I am ready to demand 
that we get no carbon tax, fair equalization, and our energy industry stops being undermined by people who are using the fuel every day and importing it from foreign sources. Excellent. What about yourself, Heather? Why should you be the next MP for your riding? I definitely need to be there to be a voice from here. They call me the lady rancher out in my area. I built my farm myself. I fence quarters of land myself. I make the payments myself. I do it all myself. I calve the cows myself. Tell me no. Try and tell me no. Tell me I can't. Try and tell me I can't. I will be here until my very last breath, making sure that what the Maverick Party's platform is, goes through. Excellent. And now, Andy, leaving you for last, why should you be the next MP for your riding? Because I'm the only one that's truly free to represent the constituents in the manner that they want to be represented in. And Lisa's right. They're worried about their jobs. They're worried about their future. They're worried about their kids' future. We know that our unemployment rate rises one percentage point every year that we have this uh, liberal uh, minority government and a conservative opposition party. It's gone up one percentage point since 2014. Um, and it's going to continue to go that way. They're going to try to achieve net zero. That's going to result in almost half a million lost jobs in the West. Um, and you know what? I don't have to look at popular opinion polls. I don't have to change my view. My platform is going to be my platform and it's not going to change. So if you agree with that and you agree with my message, then we're not going to, we're going to have a conflict, right? Um, I'm always going to send forward that message. And that message is only going to work for my constituents. That's, that's it. Excellent. On that note, I want to thank uh, Heather, Andy, and Annalise for sitting down and doing this. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, I will ask you guys just to stay on while I wrap up here because I have one last question off the record, uh, off the the video that I need to ask you. Uh, for anyone who is uh, listening, the link to the Mavericks Facebook page and their website are in the show notes. Please go check them out. And I want to say this to everyone, and I'm beating a dead horse when I say this, get out and vote. Vote, vote, vote. At the end of the day, if you do not vote, you do not get to complain for the next four years, two years, six months, or however long until the next election. So get out, get educated, and vote. With that, I will be back on Saturday with another great episode of The Ballot Box. Uh, Annalise, Andy, Heather, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks so much for your time, Chris. Thanks for having us. The Ballot Box was produced and edited by Miranda Brown and Associates Incorporated. 